Well, hello and welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here where you can find practical help for the heart and home as we ponder life from a biblical perspective, as well as a weekly digital dose of discipling to help equip us to be better effective in the opportunities that God places before us to further his kingdom. Hello and welcome back to Moments with Moni. This is episode number 145. We are coming back to visit with Ruth, the book of Ruth in the Bible. Last time we got together and Naomi was left all alone after her husband and her two sons died. So we have a lot to talk about today. If you'd like to pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee or tea and sit and listen, or maybe take your earbuds and go for a drive or a run or do the dishes, however you listen. Psst! Hey, this is Moni. Listen in. I have some exciting news. My second anniversary of Moments with Moni is coming on the 31st of January. I would love it if you could help me celebrate my anniversary. Tell me what you like about Moments with Moni, and I will sign you up for the newsletter and put you in a drawing for a $25 Amazon gift card. Your email should be timestamped no later than January 30th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Send your email to Moments with Moni, the number one, at gmail.com. The winner will be announced on the February 1st podcast, 2022. So, a quick recap from last week there was about 10 years in Moab where the family lived in a different country, that they left the house of bread, the place that God had for them, Bethlehem, Judah. The grass looked greener on the other side where they thought there might be some more food or whatever. It just looked better over there, but it isn't. And we find that out here. There's a lot of things going on in this world. We're troubled on every side. There's huge storms, weather storms that hit us just recently. There's a tsunami warning on the coast of California. There's there's an underground volcano that erupted or something over there in Tonga that caused this tsunami on the coast of California and all the way over in Australia and New Zealand. But you know what? We can run, but we can't hide. God knows where we make our bed, whether it be in heaven or in hell. He knows where we are at, and we are always the safest if we hide ourselves in him and take refuge in him. One of these days, our body will die, but our souls are promised to live forever somewhere. We have a choice. I sent out an email. We have choices. Where will you want your soul to live on forever? In the presence of God or away from his presence? Well, Elimelech took his family away from 
the house of bread and the presence of God and brought them to the washpot of Moab. And we left off at the end of verse 5. So we'll start in verse 6 here today of Ruth chapter 1. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Well, there's no male in Naomi's life. She now has the position of taking care of herself, and she's got two daughter-in-laws with her at this time as well. And Naomi makes a choice. She makes a choice to return to the house of bread. She did not compel the girls to go with her. I suppose selfishly, she, it would be very nice to have the daughter-in-laws return with her, but Naomi knows what is ahead for a foreigner in the house of bread, a Moabitess in the house of bread. We still live with prejudice, and we are still judged today. It is good and favorable to extend grace to those around us, and we can see that as we go farther into the book of Ruth. But we can remember that today. Somehow, word got to Naomi that God had visited the house of bread, and there was more food there. Bethlehem was now in a place of having food and not the famine. She decides to go home, but when she gets there, she has no uh, no way of selling the land that is the family land, but at least there will be a place to stay. She may have relatives there or at least a friend that might be able to extend a hand to help her. And as Naomi leaves Moab on her way back to Bethlehem, the two daughter-in-laws, the wives of her dead sons, decide to go with her, to follow her. I believe that grand gesture reveals much of Naomi's character and the way that she may have treated the girls as they were in Moab. For them to be willing to head back to a place where they would be strangers in a foreign land. We can see in verses 1 through 7, we've been told a story so far. And then verse 8 is actually the first dialogue that we have going on in this story where Naomi speaks to her two daughter-in-laws and tells them, go, return each to your mother's house. She specifically instructed them to go back to their mother's house. It was the custom back then in this culture that the women that dwelt in one part of the house together. So sending them back home to their mother, perhaps maybe another chance of being married again. And then Naomi continues to give them a blessing. She says, the Lord deal kindly with you. That kindly is translated hesed. Hesed love is kind of love, mercy, and kindness all rolled in together. So even though Naomi has gone through losing her husband and her sons, she still speaks kindly to these women 
and encourages them to go back. In verse 9, Naomi continues, The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. In this verse is a wonderful example of the difference between English and Hebrew. Uh, that you may find rest, she says to the girls, actually translates that rest as peaceful matrimony in the house of a new husband. May you remarry and find a place of comfort and peace, a place to abide and rest. And then, as the custom was, they parted with kisses. Parting is such sweet sorrow. And, of course, as women, they stood there hugging, and tears fell. And then the girl said in verse 10, And they said unto her, to Naomi, Surely we will return with you unto your people. And Naomi said, O turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they are grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Here Orpah and Ruth tell Naomi that we want to come with you and to be with your tribe and your flock. But Naomi says, no, no, girls, you need to go back to your mother's home. Naomi says, turn back my daughters. My daughters is translated daughters, the apple of my eye. She loves them but she's sending them back home because she feels that is the best thing for them, or at least maybe the easiest. And then in verse 11, we kind of get a clue into the Leverite marriage custom that's written about in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 to 10. It's the laws of human relations, and it's designed to prevent the extinction of the family name and property. So if your husband died, then one of his brothers would take you as his wife and then raise up a child in his brother's name so that his legacy would not end. Phew, I'm glad we're not living in those days anymore. But it is important to understand the culture of the time so that we can understand here what she's talking about. There's also another example of this in Scripture in Genesis 38, where Judah and Tamar um, go through a certain story that you can read about, about the Leverite marriage clause. In verse 13, Naomi's character is also revealed here a little bit more. She grieves for the girls. Uh, she's she's bitter at heart for their sakes because she recognizes the hand of God in her own life and doesn't want the others to get hurt because of that. And wow, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing, did she have some troubles because her husband brought her to this place? I don't know. These things were never voiced. But we all go through things 
of our own doing. And then we are hurt by, we can be hurt by the choices that others make around us. Of course, there might be another reason too. We don't have all of the thoughts of the characters going through, all the thoughts going through their mind here. God doesn't give us all of that. But we need to remember that these are not two-dimensional characters on a page. If you were there, what would you be thinking? Might the pain that you're going through skew your vision? There could have been an, another reason that she told them to go back home. Perhaps knowing the ethnic and racial issues the girls would face in Israel? It could be. It could be that Naomi suffered in silence and she's kind of gotten a bad rap about her bitterness in a lot of the commentaries that I've read. Only God knows her heart. Only God knows our heart when we go through trials in life and we grieve and everyone grieves differently. But when we do grieve, we need to remember that life is hard, but God is good. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Well, Naomi had her say, and then in verse 14, the girls have theirs. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Once again, there's choices to make. And Orpah makes one, and Ruth makes another, and they are opposite. Is one better than the other or wrong? We're not told here in Scripture. But we do know, we have an example here, that if life circumstances moves us to emotion or change of heart to a different direction, we might need to take a second look. Is our heart grounded in what God wants for us? Or will emotions and pain and all the things of life change and turn our heart away from him? Or will we cleave to him? One striking picture here I see is in names, the meaning of names. If you downloaded the last worksheet from the blog from the, for the last episode, you can see that the last question I asked was, what does your name mean? God even changes the name of people throughout history in the Bible as they are changed because of choices that they've made. So a bit of insight into this, a reminder is Orpah means mane, back of neck, or stiff-necked. And Ruth's name means hesed love, love, kindness, mercy, all those things rolled in together. Was it possible that Ruth was testing the girls? I'm sure if God was in her heart and she loved him, she would have been speaking to the girls about him because in the next few verses, we'll find out that Ruth knew something about him. In 16, it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And these are the words of an in-law. 
A superficial look at these words might make a great Hallmark card, but it does go much deeper than that. Ruth is showing her loyalty towards Naomi, and not just towards Naomi, but to her people. Ruth is basically rejecting her past, rejecting the gods of her former life, and she's cleaving, clinging to Ruth and all the things that Ruth has taught her about her God and tells her that I want to be with you. I want to be with your people. I want to be with your God. They will be mine just like they are yours. And again, that could be a Hallmark card if we don't look deeper. The next verse shows that she truly means this. If you know anything about the covenants of the Bible, the covenant promises that God made with his people, they used to take an animal in the Old Testament times and cut it in half and then spread it apart. And the two people or the two nations or two parties that were involved would walk in a figure eight between and around these two parts. And they would say, if we renege on this promise, if we go back on our word, then whatever happened to this animal will now happen to us should we go back on our word. Now that Jesus has given himself as a perfect sacrifice, we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Israel does not do that. However, it's still kind of a leftover into our marriage ceremonies where the uh, groom's family will sit on one side and the bride's family will sit on the other. And then the bride and the groom walk between them. And it's basically a covenant between both families and the couple. The families are there as a witness that this couple is making a covenant promise in marriage. It is not a contract. God's idea of a marriage is a covenant promise of a marriage. I truly believe here we see the conversion of a Moabitess, a Gentile, to the Jewish faith that Naomi holds true to, to the Jewish God that she held to. Ruth gave up everything at this point. She is cleaving to Ruth She's leaving her family and her old country behind. And in so doing, she's facing perpetual widowhood in Israel rather than a chance for another husband. Then verse 18, when she, Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left off speaking unto her. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to mention it. I tried to send you home, but you truly look like you want to come with me, and so be it. Let's go. Let's go do this together. Now that's commitment. I can see why it's spoken of at a wedding. That brings up a few questions in my mind. When times are tough, who do you follow? Are we committed to Christ like Ruth is to Naomi? Would you consider Ruth clingy or radical during a time when all did right in their own eyes? My prayer is that you would be able to glean something from my study as I've gone through Ruth and that it would transform your heart and bring you closer 
to Jesus, closer to the Father who loves you so very much. Now that you've listened to the podcast today, remember to apply soap liberally this week. Choose a scripture from today's lesson. Write down your observation of the text. Consider how to apply it to your own life and write a love letter to the Lord in prayer. And don't forget to check out the blog at momentswithmoni.com for more information and free downloads. And while you're there, feel free to leave your comments and your questions. Until next time, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life.